Welcome to the Road to Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Sherelle Dorsey, tech founder, author, speaker, and networking connoisseur. After several successful businesses and what many would consider a life well-lived, I found myself struggling after earning all of my gold stars to answer the simple question of what's next. Once you've done everything you said you would do and then some, do you create just another goal? Do you hang it up? Do you pivot and show up in a new space? Do you do something you're passionate about and damn proud of? Or do you once and for all decide to put that kind of energy into your personal life and put the work aside? I don't know yet, but I have tons of friends and colleagues and people I admire that have tracked this same journey who will be joining us this season to bear it all. How they answer the question that left them puzzled after earning the highest of highs. Join me in tuning in to hear from those who learn to navigate their own road to reinvention. So welcome back to another episode of The Road to Reinvention. Felicia Hatcher is a White House award-winning entrepreneur, a badass business rainmaker, best-selling author of Start Your Business on a Ramen Noodle Budget. For those of us who've been there, we know what that means. Globally sought-after transformative speaker, a media darling, mama of two, and co-founder of the Center for Black Innovation. She is also the rather awesome former chief popsicle at Feverish Pops, a gourmet ice pop boutique and manufacturing brand with a Fortune 500 client roster that would make your head spin. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur, Felicia was a marketing executive working for big brands like Nintendo, Sony, Wells Fargo, McKee Foods, and the NBA. And today, Felicia serves as the CEO of Black Ambition, an initiative launched by Pharrell to support Black and Latin entrepreneurs around the globe. Felicia, I feel like we've known each other for a few years mm-hmm. in a variety of capacities. Yeah. And we're going to talk all about, of course, all of your reinventions through the years mm-hmm. from a career standpoint. But what I love, I love following you on social. You have these incredible videos. You speak so much about zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And I want to start there because it can be very intimidating to reinvent yourself over and over again. But it seems like you've really established this personal philosophy of like operating in your best space. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about and define what zone of genius actually looks like and what it is? Yeah, I, I talk about it a lot because it literally is probably one of the most transformational books for me coming from Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap. Um, and like that's very specific component of it because mm-hmm. I was, I felt like I had gotten to a point where I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I was saying yes to everyone and everything and a lot of no's to myself mm. um, and a lot of no's to my body and my health. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't make these big leaps essentially or these honest conversations with ourselves or transformation until we're faced with like, your body is telling you sit down. Or that burnout is real. Right. That burnout is real, right? Yeah. And I've gone through burnout in like the official capacity that I know probably three times now. So I mm. know what it's like creeping up. And it was creeping up at the time where that book entered my life. Mm. Um, but then I was also starting to ask myself questions like, what is, what's the next thing for you? Um, and feeling like I was ready to move on with what I was doing and how I, were do- I was doing a lot of things. Uh, and then it was also the same time where I had just had another child mm-hmm. uh, and going from one to two changes everything completely. Right. I can imagine, but it yeah. also forces you to ask some very deep and serious questions 
Uh, and I was in the hospital for three weeks after I had my son. I was really mm-hmm. sick. I almost died oh, from wow. internal bleeding. Um, and so like all of those things coupled into also thinking about a career move and like that is the impetus for why that's so important personally for me. And then I've seen what it has done for me, but I've also seen what it's done for others. Right. And so we spend so much time by the time we're adults doing all these things that we have no business doing. We suck at doing these things. Uh, they're not the best use of our time. We don't get mm-hmm. a return on our time, our energy, our talent, or the people that we put towards allocating those things. But we're people pleasers. And yeah. so we say yes to things that we should not be instead of saying like, well, what is my genius? And let me sit and stand and work and play in the pocket of my genius yeah. and then find other people where these things aren't my genius, like five more geniuses to come on your team because those things still need to get done. Yeah. But it's yeah. not the best use of your time. And that's so hard, too. It's hard to admit. And um Thank you for just sharing so much of your story because at the same time of like getting to all of these accolades for building so many things, I think from gourmet popsicles to code fever, Miami, like introducing so much of um, the Miami ecosystem to the beginning stages of what's possible. That's a big burden as, as a leader, um, building out black tech week, um, being a wife, being a mom, being business mm-hmm. partners with your spouse, which I can only imagine is a skill set within within and of itself, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and on top of the realities of not always having access to the resources that you need. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we all want to operate in our zone of, our zone of genius, mm-hmm. but we end up becoming generalists and multitaskers, yeah. especially as women, because things have to get done. Mm-hmm. And who else is going to do it if not you? Yeah especially if you don't have that person on your team or you can't delegate and then you start to feel stuck and then you start to resent the very thing that maybe you felt like was your purpose Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that because you also had to go through, as you mentioned, like three burnouts Mm -hmm. to really get to this place of, I have to fundamentally operate in my zone of genius or like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be here (laughs) available for this work anymore. Yeah. It's that it's what you just said, Cheryl, right? It's like, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. Right. And um, I mean, we all have our date in which we leave this earth, but like you could also find yourself operating in a very diminished quality of life as a result of the everyday decisions that we're making by taking on everything. Right. Um, I think one of the most and I don't know if this is controversial, but I think one of the most detrimental things to black women especially is like telling us that we're we're magical and we have superpowers and I we're don't. wearing the cape and like <laughs> I, I mean it's a it, it's cool to a point where it inspires you because you do do magical things right but you're not supposed to be magical all the time yeah um and so That's like right. having that space um or people around you that allow you to take your cape off mm-hmm. um but more so having that conversation with yourself is extremely important because if not, people will let you do everything and all the things because they think that you can weather the burden. You know, I remember having a a friend very close in age that had a stroke and she didn't want to tell anyone. Uh, And so people kept coming to her to do things. And she's like, my God, I just had a stroke. And I'm like, but the people around you are still expecting you to show up. You have to put boundaries in place. And so the thing that I learned more than anything is putting boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, if you don't have the village, you got to pay for the village. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that. Right. And so getting the right support for, for my kids. Right. Um, 
hiring a cleaning person and removing the guilt out of doing that as a black woman because I'm still supporting another business and getting things done. Yeah. I'm outsourcing when, when you can. Like these are things that are are accustomed certain people are accustomed to yeah. that we have to normalize in our community because that is how things get done. And so yeah. removing the guilt out of that is really important. I love that you mentioned the cleaning person. I feel like we're all being honest about having some additional supports. Yeah. And I implemented having a an amazing cleaning service two years ago mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And because I was I was working around the clock and I was like, my space needs to feel tranquil and it mm-hmm. needs to feel ready for me to kind of get up and yeah. execute. And are you one of those people that also still cleans before no. they come? No. Okay, because I'm still <laughs> no. like, oh, I don't want them to think, I don't want them to think I'm a complete slob. So no. I'm like, let me quickly I put these dishes in the dishwasher. Like, what are you paying for? <laughs> Uh, and like they already see your stuff. They you know already what I mean? see it. They so, already in your business. But what I do do is I leave the house. So I do, I do that. So, so you don't like, have to feel judged. I will, I will go <laughs> on the balcony or I will just completely leave for like those two hours and come back because it's still, it still seeps in a little bit. Like, oh yeah. man, like she's grabbing real hard over there. Like judgment. But, um, you know, it, it saved my marriage. Let me say that, okay. right? And it's something that Derek and I implemented a long time ago when we even couldn't really afford it, right? Yeah. Um, but it became a necessary, non-negotiable, like family decision that we made because we were arguing about things that we shouldn't have been arguing about. And it wasn't even the thing. It was just like the place was dirty and like who's expecting who to clean it, right? Right. Well, and- especially as a woman, right? Because you have to negotiate these like 1950s gender roles, but also like be you know, superwoman in the world, yeah. right? That black girl magic. And then it's like, yeah, but like also you have to take care of the home. So I can imagine right. that there's like that tension and that struggle. Yeah, the tension and struggle. And then the funny thing is, I remember one day Derek was just like, I never asked you to do any of that. And I was mm. like, you're right. But like, who else? Like you ain't who doing else? it. You know right. what I mean? So it's like, right. uh, and so like, it was a, it was a, personal like relationship decision that also became a business decision right because once we start working in the home like it's very hard to be creative it's very hard to manage a team where things around you are chaotic right and so like knowing that every week we walk into like a sense of flow into our home Mm -hmm. um and then we have kids that are i call them tornado and hurricane uh, (laughs) any given day because they literally just you know Um, And so like just having that sense of ease in the place that you lay your head. Mm. And then for a lot of us, the place that we are also making our money, um, like you just, you need that, right? Like it's not even this thing where we should feel guilty about literally saying that we need help. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned in this new role that, that I've been in for almost two years now is like, like asking for help, help is a strength. It is not a sign of weakness. Mm, yeah, yeah. It is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. And I don't know, I kind of know where that has come from for us culturally, but like we have to reverse that of saying like, no, and that's part of being in your genius. Your genius is literally saying, I now have a vocabulary to other people of like that, that you're asking me to do, I can do it, but it's not in my genius. Yeah. And if yeah. I'm going to serve this company, this organization or this family at the highest level, I have to stay in that because that brings the highest return back to whatever we're doing. Anything else is actually costing us as a family or as a business, if I'm dedicated, because that's not my thing. Yeah. It's someone else's thing. And oftentimes if we're hiring someone, they're going to do it 
much more inexpensive than what it would cost for me to do it based off of the value that I bring into the home or the organization. And so sometimes people just need that reframe. Mm -hmm. I think saying like, give it, when you say someone like, that's not my genius, like they kind of back up like, oh, it's yeah. not. Right? Oh yeah, like, sometimes like that's not my ministry. Right? Or that's you know, <laughs> it's not my ministry. And the opportunity cost of me doing this less efficiently, mm -hmm. begrudgingly, and I love like how honest you were about, hey, mm -hmm. like having a cleaning service saved my marriage, mm -hmm. you know, like having these externalities take place that are not critical mm -hmm. to me completing the task, but mm -hmm. they're critical to the flow and the ease that you yeah. spoke about that's yeah. important. And I think a lot about, and, and we're going to also step into your many iterations career-wise mm -hmm. um, and as an entrepreneur and now as a CEO of, of, a, of a major um, company and initiative. But I think about this idea of like having to reinvent mm -hmm. our way of thinking. And a, a lot of people use this term, which I love, which is unlearning, yeah. right? Because we spend so much time trying to learn. We're in school, we're getting our degrees, we are mm -hmm. getting the certifications, we're trying to climb into whatever version of ourselves is going to look the most sex successful and maybe make the most money. Mm -hmm. But then there's that aspect of what are the habits, behaviors, and frameworks of thinking that have hindered my growth and are preventing mm -hmm. me from getting to that next level? And there's like a level of reinvention there that it sounds like you also kind of yeah. went through um, as a wife, as a mom, mm -hmm. as a leader as well. Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Um, the unlearning part has is harder than the learning part, yeah. right? Like there's an ease in consuming as much information mm -hmm. and knowledge as possible. Um, it's a little bit harder to then apply that knowledge. It's a little, it's even harder to accept that like I learned some things that were actually wrong, um, even though it's coming from people that I trusted, right? Yeah. Like there's so many different layers to like that unlearning process. But then I think it really kind of stems back to us being honest with ourselves. Yeah. You know, when we, you know, Avery DuVernay said this thing in this phenomenal interview about like pay attention to like your intentions, mm -hmm. knowing like why you do the thing um, and serving whatever you're doing at the highest level. Right. Mm -hmm. She talks about Selma and not being like the first director, but I think being like either the seventh or the 13th person that was um, that was chosen to direct that mm, movie. Wow. Um, but then just talking about like her pure intention was to serve the work and the movie and not necessarily the accolades. Cause once you get the accolades, then what, you yeah. know, like there's what else is keeping you um, driven down this path. And so for me, it had to be like uh, honesty, like, why are you doing this? Um, and then it came like other reflective questions like, um, you know, who are you without this work and this title anymore? And that was, that took me about a year to, answer that question wow. um, and answer that question honestly, right? Because and how did you get there? Like, like what did that look like to take a, a, a year? Because yeah. we can give answers, right? Like right off the cuff, mm -hmm. but to really have to question yourself every day for a year to say like, yeah, who, who is yeah, it, that it I am? It, it was getting to that point of just saying like, oh, like who am I without this, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I reinvent myself, am I starting from zero? Um, if I'm not this title anymore that anyone knows me, like how long does it take to, um, actually reinvent yourself and be known as this other thing and not have confusion with your marketing or your brand? Will people still pick up the phone? Like there's all these questions that right. stem from that initial question. And I think, 
you know, from, I work for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Lynx, right? Like I had a really high profile role at a really, really young age. I'll, the last, like Angela should not have given me that opportunity, but I was there. <laughs> um, and like, I just remember once I left that job, like people weren't picking up the phone anymore, right? Like, so there's a, that little bit of fear, like in the past when I left this role that was really known, then like I literally had to start, because so people are superficial. Like, I don't know any yeah. other way to say that, I was right? Like, that's gotta be like a big ego drop, right? Because of course. Yeah, they would pick up on the first ring and now like you get no returns, no acknowledgement, none of that. Because the access is gone, right? Yeah. Um, and so like, that was like a drip of something in my mind um, in that process. But I also knew I was, it was time. And if we don't start acting upon when our body or our mind is telling us that it's time, we end up starting to do more harm than good. Mm. And like, that is also what I was feeling, right? I would go to meetings and like, things would be triggering me that shouldn't be triggering me, right? Um, or like, I didn't want to meet with certain people or have certain conversations anymore. And those were all clues that were telling me like, Felicia, it's time for you to move on. Like, why are you still holding on to this? And some of it is getting processes and people in place. Right. Um, some of it is that, like succession planning, succession, because you can't planning. just be like, Oh, I'm not feeling this anymore. Right. Bye. No, nah, it doesn't You know, work like that's that. not right. Like that's not how you even maintain your professional relationships. But yeah, you, even even when you're in that space of it, there's there's a change of coming, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a change of brewing, but you still have to be intentional about that that reinvention process because yeah. you have to honor that. Hey, there are people who have followed you. Mm -hmm. There are people who have invested in your work, and as you're transitioning they still need to be honored. Of course. You know, in their commitments as well. Of course. And it, like, I went to therapy about it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I needed, I needed a new vocabulary because I had to have a lot of really tough conversations, right? Yeah. The first tough conversation was literally with myself. Um, the not so tough conversation was with my husband, but he hears all the like, this, you know, yeah. wanting to do He saw the behind or, the scenes. Right, right, yeah, right. So that yeah. wasn't as tough, but like business partners and funders um and then like what how do we communicate that publicly um how do i continue to communicate that publicly because it's not just one thing it's constant conversation oh, well what are you doing next and i didn't have a next right and so even being able to accept that like actually i don't have anything next i just know i i just I, know I, that, i'm not supposed to be doing this right 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 <laughs> and so i needed a new like set of tools and language and vocabulary with myself and then also with others, right? And then also just kind of a sense of like fortitude of just like having the armor to go out and be constantly asked when things aren't fully formulated, but you just know it's time to close that chapter. And sometimes not until you admit that to yourself in your close circle, do opportunities then open and present yeah. themselves because you finally said to the universe or whoever, like, I am done. There's a sense of completion yeah. that um, is a part of this. And when you are completed in one area, then you can open up something else. I love that you frame it as a completion mm -hmm. because there's this initial onset of, I've committed to this work and I have to see it through, mm -hmm. but completion. And we had Matt Hagman in an episode and he spoke um, about chapters. Mm -hmm. And it feels though completion is about this chapter yeah. of this work and who I am and who I was in building this. Mm -hmm. 
has just wrapped. Mm -hmm. So now there's a new chapter that's being written that I need to be a part of. And I've loved watching your journey. In my early days as a reporter, um, I was following and watching Black Tech Week. Mm -hmm. And I was watching the ways in which you, honestly, I think you were the only person I knew out of Miami that was highly visible around the work you were doing, not just around creating a tech scene and environment, but speaking both, I think, eloquently Mm -hmm. and in an uplifting way about the need for more inclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, The tour, I think I I came to one uh, Black Tech Weekend, and we did a tour of Overtown Mm -hmm. and the history of Overtown. And most times when I've gone to tech conferences, right, there's like the city takeover Mm -hmm. and everything is flipped upside down. Everything's cool. There's drones flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you're like, we're going to take you to Jackson Soul Food, you know, and like on the bus. And we're going to be in the heart of Overtown and we're going to meet real people Mm -hmm. and we're going to visit real businesses. And we're going to go to the the water ice place Mm -hmm. and we're going to learn about Overtown is the home or, or the 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 space that Muhammad Ali, after he won the title, came to stay in, mm-hmm. you know, because he was not allowed to stay in Miami Beach. And all of this, this history surrounding this idea of invention and reinvention of a environment in a neighborhood that was sort of not the conversation mm-hmm. at all um, when we talked about innovation. And yet, like, you were like, no, this is a center for innovation. As mm-hmm. black and brown communities, we have had to be innovative mm-hmm. by nature of being left out of so many conversations and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love, 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 love to have you walk us through gourmet popsicles, <laughs> you know, coding camps into massive attention and attraction mm-hmm. of black folks in tech from all over the world coming to Miami to VCs, and then we'll dive into this next this next chapter that you're in. You said it all. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I was like, I've been writing your story for years, but uh, but I, but like, take me through. I guess the if we got like the behind the scenes, yeah. you know, every single iteration of yourself that said, I want to create this. Like like, what was that thinking process? That mm-hmm. this is my next chapter. You leave the Timberwolves. Yeah. You're unsure of what's next, and you're like, let me dive feet first into this all consuming world of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, when you have something that you just can't let go of, right? It's a feeling in your body before it becomes an idea. A lot of it has been that, right? Um, And there's like all these books that talk about like how the body holds trauma, but it also holds joy and and like it holds all these things. Um, And so, you know, Starting the food company was literally because I had lost my job, right? Mm-hmm. My husband and I couldn't find other jobs. Otherwise, we may not even be talking. Like, it would have been right. a completely different path, but it was the economic downturn of 2008. Um, and then we just, we had young people from, like, Overtown and Liberty City as our employees. And we knew we weren't going to be in, like, the popsicle, gourmet popsicle manufacturing business forever. We knew that they also weren't going to be our employees forever um, and we wanted to train them in some of the most marketable skills possible. And like, there was all this tech talk and we had helped like Black Girls Code do their first event out of the Bay Area in Atlanta. And there was all this excitement, but nobody was doing that in Miami. No one was talking about it. No one even cared. 
Um, and so it was like in Echo and Green, they call it like your moment of obligation, right? When you mm -hmm. see something much bigger than yourself and you ask like, if not me, then whom? And if you can't answer the whom and you have all the resources, like that's your moment of obligation to say, yeah. I'm either going to do something about it or I am going to be okay seeing this problem continue to grow. And so like that kept being the thing that pulled on us, but we we're like, well, we run in a whole business here that we need to keep afloat. Um, and so like we had a bad like exit with an um, investor and like my heart just kept going towards like, I want to help as many young people and our people as possible, like understand how transformational technology can actually be in our community. Mm -hmm. And those early days were hard because people would literally look at me like I had three eyeballs. Like, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? This isn't important right now. We have all these other things like crime and housing. I'm like, yes, they are important, but they are affected by this. And you have to understand that. And so like those conversations were really hard. Um, but then like, everything that we built literally came out of that need to like support our employees and their friends yeah. and try and get them to understand and get them into roles in, in, in that space. And so, and then it built upon that, right? Like sometimes, you know, my mentor says like, when you solve one problem, you actually create nine or 10 more problems mm -hmm. because like, Hey, once you tell people like, Hey, they should get into tech. Now they need to know where the jobs are, what they should do in their schools, what their parents should be doing, what the community is doing to support, right? So like once you get them excited, then there's all these other things that need to be there to fully support someone so that their trajectory actually leads to something of impact for them and ultimately impacting mm -hmm. the community. And so like that's where Code Fever came from and then training kids, you can't just train kids and then there's no opportunities here. And so like Black Tech Week had to be created in order to be able to support the young people and then entrepreneurs, cause like, hey, if we can train and equip entrepreneurs that are black, then we can make sure that like they become the first hiring partners. All right, well, once you start supporting entrepreneurs, they need funding, right? So like it was this kind of snowball yeah, yeah. of things that needed to be created and then building the center in, in Overtown was like, they, they need a space and we need a nucleus of innovation because it already exists in our communities, we know that. We have, like, we've seen it for generations. The respect is not there. The money definitely is is not there, but it's never been for, like, a lack of ideas. It's been for, like, packaging it in mm -hmm. a way that is respected and understood and, like, funded at the highest level. And that is like, been the work for, for those seven, seven or eight years. What I think is fascinating is you go into all of these chapters with a sense of obligation. Yeah. And I think there's sort of the upside of that, which is your commitment and passion for the work into, as, as most entrepreneurs, you, know, you, you see a need, you see a problem, and you work towards solving that problem. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to understand like what, what kept you saying, okay, yeah, okay, well, yeah, if they, if, if we build entrepreneurs, we've got to build funding mm -hmm. and going beyond that. Um, and then I want to come back and talk about while that sense of obligation can be such a powerful and empowering thing. It can also become a burden Oof. as well. <laughs> I almost feel like I have to start there. Uh, Cause th there are days, right? Or weeks or months or years where you're just yeah. like, why is this like my thing, you know? Or why can't I shake this thing? Cause I could go on and do something completely different right. or channel the energy. Or like just when you deal with the BS of it, you're just like, but it's, it's, you know, 
conversations with elders and sitting at their feet are yeah. so important because they always put things in perspective as to like why you shouldn't shake it right or why you shouldn't quit um you know um a mentor myron talks about like quitting in the middle of your assignment right and mm -hmm. understanding like disruption always follows your best intention and if you do not realize that you'll quit in the middle of your assignment mm. and so i've had many moments where i felt like quitting in the beginning middle and towards the end of the assignment right, right? i feel like that sometimes where you're just like i don't need any of this i can go live in costa rica <laughs> in the mountains never to be seen or heard from again right, right. <laughs> make some and change like, on the internet like and like be, be good and not have any of this and it's it's you know i it's the calling there. It's, I don't even know if obligation is the right word, but it's just always been like, the dream has been bigger than me, yes. right? It's always been that. And I would be lying if I said, you know, there were times where I felt like I did not want that to be my dream mm. or my calling or this thing that I was drawn to because it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting um, pitching to people who don't look like you and telling them that they should care about our people and give them like that's exhausting yeah um and there's so many other ways or pathways to go down that are less exhausting and less taxing on the, on the body but you know when you have the resources you have an understanding you gotta champion for our people right mm -hmm. um and if you have a certain way of being able to do that where people listen mm -hmm. then like you do a disservice by not doing that and standing in that right i think understanding how that has to shift um, over the years has been the lesson that I've had to learn in that. And I think it's a lesson for everyone. And then also, I think removing the burden that Black people are supposed to do every aspect of that as well. And so there's a certain part that you're good at. Do that and be fine with that, yeah. right? Um, I think that's sometimes an obligation that we put on ourselves. And that's the world does that to us too, right? And you end up being ineffective because you're trying to do all the things. And like, that was a lesson that we had to learn with Black Tech Week. It's a lesson that we had to learn with CFBI. It's a lesson that CFBI, CFBI is still learning. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you can be like, this is your lane, right? And if you do all the thing or try to do all the things for everyone, cause you can, but that's not the best utilization of your time and your gift. That's a hard lesson to, to learn in that process. And I was gonna ask as well, as these iterations, you know, took shape, Black Tech Week, mm -hmm and um, the Center for Black Innovation, which you referenced earlier, mm -hmm. the going back to that zone of genius, yeah. for each new level, do you feel that that zone of genius, whether you had that language or not, mm -hmm. whether you had read the book or understood your own genius, through each iteration, did you feel like you were starting to implement more boundaries, starting to respond a little bit differently to protect whether it's your, what we call your mental health, your wellness, um, your time as a mom, as a wife, all of those kinds of things. Because the beginning, you, you, you're just trying to survive, yeah. right? And then kind of each level um, potentially teaches you a little bit more about yourself. Um, I'm curious what that journey was like for you. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it required setting up like big boundaries um, and not like electric fence boundaries, but like, um, you know, I had to learn to tell people like, actually, I can't do that or I don't know how to do that. Yeah. And freeing myself to say that, right? And I, I'm in meetings oftentimes where I'm, I'm with people, I'm like, I know you don't know how to do this. Why are you saying you know how Why to do this? Why are you saying right? yes? Um, <laughs> and some of that is a, a little bit of a scarcity mindset. So like moving out past from that, but 
how to, I had to learn how to set extremely healthy boundaries and I'm still learning how to do that. Right. I think it's an iterative process that you don't fully learn. Like, you know, absolutely no, nothing. Um, but I also learned a really good lesson from my husband because he's a no person first and I'm a yes per. I was a yes person first. And he's, he said to me, he's like, if you say no, you can always go back and say yes. And you still preserve the relationship, right? But when you say yes to something and then you turn around and you say no, um, because you've checked the calendar or things change because life happens. Mm-hmm. He's like, you look like, you know, a jerk by saying like, re- you know, yeah. reneging on like- On your word. On your word, right? right? right, so, right. so he's like, say no first, take the time to actually center yourself, make sure you can do it, you have the capacity to do it and you can do it well. Yeah. And then go back and say, actually, you know what? I do have time. I do have capacity. And that's from a personal standpoint. That's also from a business standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you can get to this point where you have an abundance of opportunities and abundance of things coming at you. And the hardest thing becomes now like deciphering between which can you add the most value and which do you end up taking away because you've taken on more than you should. Yeah. And what I love too is that Scale looks different, whereas you're kind of doing all the things, mm-hmm. you are creating all the things to serve as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And then through the literature that you've produced from, mm-hmm. you have a couple of books, yeah. you have your, you know, your social media, your your videos mm-hmm. that I, I believe are kind of mini masterclasses. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the content from your, your speaking on, on stages across the mm-hmm. world. And... Now you're also the CEO of Black Ambition. Yeah. And it really appears as though your work has not necessarily changed. Mm-hmm. I think your your passion for access to opportunities for Black and Brown founders and for the world to see them has grown exponentially. Yeah. But you've, you seem to be in this space of, I can do all this work and people can access it and benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But I no longer have to like be chasing this like ball mm-hmm. down the court, which is another sports reference that I am now learning. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like in, in, in other episodes, I'm like, I don't really know the sports, but I'm gonna use these sports <laughs> references because a lot of people seem to know them. Um, but I guess speak to, you know, speak to that, like mm-hmm. the accessibility that's also not taking away from you. Mm -hmm. Like you're able to establish those boundaries, but now like you're leading these major things, but Mm -hmm. you've got, it seems like you've got so much more breath, Mm -hmm. you know, as like your work continues on. Yeah. It, I got very focused. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's no other word for me to describe that, um, at least to myself is, is that. And so really kind of laser focused. And it, again, it goes back to the clarity that I got through like, doing the zone of genius exercise, right? And then understanding what my genius was and then saying like, well, what is my zone of opportunity? Like, what are the opportunities that I want to create or be able to take advantage of of, as a result of my genius, right? Or what do I want to happen literally as a result of my genius? And so like answering those questions, what kind of impact do I want to have as a result of my genius? What kind of food do I want to eat? What content do I want to create as a result of that? Like it gave me a sense of clarity that I had just never had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other part of that is it helped me delegate more, right? Mm-hmm. And so for, you know, for everything that you mentioned, I have a team or teams that support that, right? And so one of the biggest values that I add now is like knowing how to find amazing talent 
um, cultivating that, making some mistakes sometimes, but like of cultivating yeah. that, that talent. And so like there is an exponential impact to what I'm doing, but I'm not doing all the things, mm-hmm. right? And then some of the contests, like a lot of that is repurposing, right? Recycling, right, repurposing right, old right, stuff right. that um, people have just never seen before or have been like saved on a, like a hard drive or something. Mm-hmm. And then when the books, the books have been really interesting because they almost... The books almost signify a closeout of different chapters of my life. Yeah. Uh, like the scholarship book was a complete closeout of a chapter of my life. Cause I'm like, I don't want to teach this anymore. Um, I'm not connected to that like environment mm-hmm. or ecosystem anymore, but I still want someone to be able to reference it, get what they need and move on. Right. Ramen noodle, um, start your business, like on a ramen noodle budget, like it was a closeout mm-hmm. of a time of my life but I wanted to have a resource. And I think that's the value of content yeah. and that it's evergreen is that like people can still um, be connected to different parts of your life as it closer, closerly, that's not even going to work. Uh, closely We're going to use it, look, closerly, listen. <laughs> to where they are in their <laughs> life, right? And I think it's yeah. very interesting for all of us. And I, I don't know about you, but you see it on social. We're just like, um, you know, don't look at someone's like highlight reel when you just start, whatever the, the yeah, quote yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think being able to establish a sense of like a body of work that wherever stage in your life, you can connect to something at that point in stage. And so you know what to do and that you don't get like this over inspiration of something that feel ends up feeling unattainable because you're just not there at the moment, right? Um, and I don't even know if that makes any sense, but like, that is how I've looked at some of, some of those things, but it really yeah. boiled down to team and, you know, the early days of what Derek and I started or Derek and I and Starks, like what we started, we did not understand team the way that we should have. Um, and like our health suffered as a result of that. Yeah. Right. And so of anything, the biggest lesson has been like, okay, you can come up with this idea, but then like find the team to to be able to support it. Right. Well, you're also growing into your dream. Mm-hmm. And I think when we heard the announcement that you'd been tapped by Pharrell to mm-hmm. lead the Black Ambition Initiative, mm-hmm. it felt like such a major win, I think, in the Black tech ecosystem. But I think also to pair up with someone who is known for innovation mm-hmm. and celebrity, there's kind of this like, all right, is he for real about this? Mm-hmm. Like, is this just another, you know, fad or trend that's coming out of, you know, this kind of hardcore mm-hmm. racial reckoning or whatever we called, you know, 2020, following the murder of George right. Floyd, um, and of course, countless others, uh, not just that year, but through through the years. Right. And and yet, like we've we've watched the kind of partnerships Mm -hmm. and opportunities that you've provided to entrepreneurs, whether they won funding or not, Mm -hmm. um, self-included, my company included, Mm -hmm. and true to this idea around access. And so when we look back at now you're being named CEO Mm -hmm. of a company and you're guiding this company, maybe in a way that Mm -hmm is very different than leading your own endeavor mm-hmm. and the vision sort somewhat changing or shifting, but the work still being very similar. Yeah. And now you have all these different access points. Mm-hmm. How did you reconcile with that new reinvention and, and, and taking on a CEO role? Like yeah. what, what were those behind the scenes conversations like? Yeah. You know, the, um, the question that you just asked about like 
was he for real was also yeah. the question that I was asking, right? Um, and I think it was a moment where a lot of people were asking that question of individuals, celebrities, and then also corporations. And so I I had to do digging to see like, is this something real or is this a moment? Because I was also leaving something that I had built, right? Um, you know, the, and it, it is real, yeah. right? Um, and it is intentional. And it's about building legacies for others, but then also there's a personal and family legacy behind him too. Um, that I think he's at a stage where he wants to build, be extremely impactful and intentional about supporting our people. It was similar and it's different, right, than the work. But for me, it's like an um, it's an extension because one of the things that I was never able to do with CFBI, like directly was write checks to entrepreneurs. Right. And I was getting so frustrated with everyone constantly asking, like, what else do they need beside money? I'm like, the money, money. you keep putting aside, right. like, that's what they need. <laughs> Um, and you can only do that so many times before you just get really frustrated with even talking to people because I'm like, the thing that they need the most is the thing that you're making it so hard for them to get. And Black Ambition represents that, right? right. And so it's money because you need money, but you also need mentorship, but you need like no BS mentorship. Like right. not this stuff that we have been seeing for years. Like, Sherelle, you're doing a really good job. Sherelle, like change the font size and you should be fine, but they won't like open their Rolodex or call people and they know, right? And I asked that question. I'm like, if you were getting ready to launch your, your a new startup, who are the five people that you would call in order to raise $100,000 or a million dollars? And they know them, they're in their phone, but they would never pick up the phone for you, right? Or for me or for mm -hmm. anyone else. And I'm like, that's the stuff that I have to like break down because that's what's needed, right? right. You know, you got an entrepreneur sitting in front of you that like product is amazing. You know, it's amazing. Right. Deck is on point. Mm -hmm. um, their leadership is on point. All they need is for like, you know, a target of Walmart or whatever yeah, to stop phone call. for a phone call. And yeah. you have the buyer's phone number in your phone. Like, you I know it because you bragged about it. Right. You, right. Yeah. And so there's there there has become this weird sense of people have become really comfortable wasting the time of black people. Yeah, it's and, like bootstraps until it's you, right. then it's the phone call, then it's the lunch. And it's detrimental yeah. because, you know, in business we talk about like time is money, but time is not money. Money can be replaced, like they, right, it can be right. printed. Cannot time is ultimately time. more valuable than money. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it cannot be replenished. Mm -hmm. Once you waste someone's time, they're never getting that back. And so there's an urgency to the access. There's an urgency to like squashing the BS yeah. because the time is a commodity that none of our founders will get back. And too many people have come become just eerily comfortable with wasting our time or or continuing to push like the goalposts farther and farther away but they keep telling you you only have to do one or two steps and so like that access part um in this space has been something that um i've worked really hard on in the past two years of opening up those doors and some of it is just giving people an understanding that have been disconnected because they're no longer you know on early stage entrepreneurs or they're right. no longer hustling in the way that most entrepreneurs are still hustling to understand like the value of like picking up the phone or asking for this. And so a lot of it has been like kind of hacking this other side 
Um, but making sure like the ecosystem building, the spaces, the mentors, the people, it still needs to happen. But like more people need to, you know, open the purse strings if and then open up their their phones and their contacts. Yes. There's so much value in in mining through that. Yeah, it's like open your coffers. Like I don't need a cheerleader. I need and, a contact. And a contract. Like and a contract. Yeah. What is yeah. it? Wages and stages? Yes. All, of all the things, all the things. No, I am so grateful for this conversation mm-hmm. um, and for your candor. Mm-hmm. And I think not just when you and I have had our one-on-one mm-hmm. conversations, but I think continuously mm-hmm. um, you have had the same conversations in public as well mm-hmm. as in private, in big rooms, as well as in smaller rooms, mm-hmm. and as well as on social media that's given us a different perspective and lens mm-hmm. um, into what some of the challenges can be like, mm-hmm. which communities are constantly left out the language in which we use to describe those communities mm-hmm. that can make or break opportunity. Um, and now for thinking about this idea of reinvention, I love that you referenced time. Mm-hmm. Time is one of the greatest commodities that we have. Mm-hmm. We cannot waste it. And I think that goes back to your decision to leave the, t- the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, and I'm sure like the great job that your family's like, oh, my daughter's at, you know, the Timberwolves. <laughs> To, to take that step back mm-hmm. and to say, what is it that I truly want? And to use your time mm-hmm. to evaluate yourself and to reflect like, who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I, what am I here for? What am I supposed to build? Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of us who are in that space of reinvention and afraid that we are wasting our time, mm-hmm. what do you say to folks around what reinvention truly is and whether or not it's worth it? Ooh. I feel like it's always worth it, right? Mm-hmm. If it's honest and authentic. Um, you know, it's it literally goes back to that question like what do I want? And it sounds like such a simple question, but it's a hard question. You said you spent about a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a year. I on mean, it. even now I'm still asking that question, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz it like it impacts every aspect of your life, right? And we should always be asking ourselves that question because there's so much there's so many shiny objects that are out there, yes, right? Yes. But what at the core, what is it that you want mm-hmm. uh, is the root of in reinvention, right? And then it really kind of helps you set a plan of like, well, how do I want to reinvent myself, yeah. right? Um, what is authentic to me in this moment? How do I support myself or my family at the highest level um, with this new reinvention. Mm-hmm. And then I think all the other stuff then works itself out, right? Yeah. What new photos do I need to take? Am I cut my hair? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like all of those, all of those things I think work themselves out, but it cannot start unless you are very honest with yourself about what do I really want? And we, you cannot answer that question, honestly thinking about the external and how it will be, um, how it will be taken or how yeah, it will be, how be received. Seen. Yeah, you have yeah. to answer that question first or ask yourself that question first as if no one else is going to see that but mm-hmm. you in a conversation with God, right? Or whoever you, you know, you worship. Yeah. But that's that's the first part. And you got to ask that question as many times, you know, first your voice is going to shake when you say it out loud. Yep. And then you get to a point where you're able to say it with conviction, like this is what I want. And yeah, it yeah. might not be shiny and it might not be as impressive but it is authentic to me, yeah. authentic to me. You know, and I remember going to Key West and meeting this guy who runs like a bicycle, um, like a bicycle tour rental thing. And and he had like this crazy like Wall Street 
like background and all this stuff. And he was just like, when I asked myself, what do I want to do? He's just like, I just want to be on a bike all the time and meet new people, <laughs> right? That doesn't sound as cool as a as a, a Wall Street uh, Wall Street. trader. Right. I'm probably not making new, nearly as much money because homeboy had us picking up coconuts off the side of the road <laughs> for the next like, right? But when I say I had so much fun, yeah, and I had so much fun, and you see that like when you step into like someone else's genius and like they really living in it, like there's something that you like comes inside of you take, take that from you that. take yeah. from that by someone literally authentically saying like this is what i want and this is the world that i'm going to create it's such a beautiful thing right like yeah. being here today i'm like i i literally i'm stepping into sherelle's genius right yeah. and everyone that i met was super super nice and like accommodating and that tells you something about the person the journey that they're currently mm -hmm. in or on the position that they're in and what they're trying to build and put out into the world. And like that all goes back to like genius for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it also goes back to literally saying, this is what I want in this moment. And this mm -hmm. is what I want moving forward. And you feel that environment yeah. when other people create it and they allow you to step into it. I love that. The biggest question being, what do you want? Yeah. And allowing yourself the time and the space to define that. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you will go through several inventions of yourself and iterations of yourself yeah. and you're going to constantly be asking that question to stay in alignment mm -hmm. oh, felicia as always thank you thank, thank you. you for all the things <laughs> all the things all the time thanks again for listening to another episode of the road to reinvention if you find yourself moved or feeling free after tuning in make sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform and share this with someone you know who may be navigating a similar journey you do not have to do this alone. To hang out with me more, head over to join our Fluency newsletter at ShereleDorsey.com. Until next episode, may you embrace your need to recreate, revitalize, and reinvent yourself over and over.